frequent Apple software updates, Warren Buffett invests more in Apple, and YouTube takes on podcasts. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Collide. Collide is a fleet visibility solution for Mac, Windows, and Linux that can help you securely scale your business. Learn more at collide.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this time around, we cover a number of different stories, including YouTube and podcasts, Warren Buffett, and we start out with why frequent Apple software updates are not a bad thing. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. Mark, you know what? I, I'm i with you on that, um, about 98%, but you know there are times that I think some of these headlines need to be out there so people pay attention instead of just saying, oh, another update, and it means I'm not going to be able to use my machine for 10 minutes to, to 15, 20 minutes, and so I'll do it later, and then they never do it, and then there's a problem. So once in a while, maybe a little scare is good for everybody. Right. I, that I, was, I mean, that, that I, was my point is these when it hits mainstream and David Muir is telling people to update, you know, people, you know, I get calls. Should I do this? Yes. You, you know, yeah, do it. So uh, as as these people here, I'm looking at like the general population to update their vice, their the security devices. Um, yeah, it's I don't know if it's a scummy Mashable editor who, who did it or. What, but the end result is good. You know, it's not a bad thing. More people update. You know, the bad press, you know, come from the people who don't like Apple. But, you know, the world news tonight didn't say horrible Apple didn't, you know, do what they needed to do. And they'd say they're blah, blah, all so good and blah, blah. They said, no, there's a major, you know, there's a security patch out there. Do it. And, you know, that's what most of the mainstream media did. So it's good, um, I think, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Hey, um, Brittany has to go. I know. Britt, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming. What are yeah. you before you dash off? Um, I have actually been posting a whole bunch of stuff to YouTube, which is 80 Day Liberator. That's also the place on Twitter. But yeah, I've been posting a lot of tech tips and things, and it's been lots of fun. So thank you so much for having me. Hey, you're Good always thing. welcome. Glad you could do it. Go, go dash and deal with what you need to deal with and come back next Tuesday. <laughs> All right. I'll see you soon. Bye. Take care. Good night, Brittany. Yeah. I was going to hit one more point on that, on yeah, that topic. Please, is, please do, David, because I've got one, too, but I'll let you finish it up. Yeah. Um, mainstream media. I mean, this was it was mainstream media mania. I mean, I, I don't I, don't, I, I mean, I haven't remembered a long time when an Apple has, re- has released a big, serious update like this. And I'm hearing it everywhere. I mean, and just like Warren, I'm getting people asking me and I'm telling people too. it's just feel you got to go got up this update this. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, all I don't even have to mention all the mainstream media. It's just everybody was talking about it. And it's just crazy that 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 all of a sudden they jump on this when they see that that this is it's it's important. Yeah, it was important. But then like Jeff said, zero day. uh, That's a big thing. But that's where we are. If mainstream media get jumps on it, then there's going to be a craze. Yeah. Brett, uh, excuse me, Brian in the chat room says, my mother-in-law, who follows no tech whatsoever, made sure go. to forward me an article urgently telling me to update my Apple devices. Shows how mm-hmm. broad the story moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There you go. 
And as far as the seriousness of it, I mean, let me remind you that uh, Microsoft is the company that brought you Patch Tuesday. Yes, they did. <laughs> Where every Tuesday you have to patch your, your, you better patch your software. So, working in enterprise, I hear about it all the time. And we're doing I'm sure you do. Patch testing constantly. Yep. Um, so I wanted to make sure I got this one in um, because it's sort of uh, Mark. Mark brought it in, and he was going to build a little bit on the Kardashian. Um, no, not the Star Trek thing, but the Kardashian story we did <laughs> earlier. Um, Mark, I'll, I'll let you you talk about um, what Warren Buffett's doing in regard to Apple. Oh, he's simply, I mean, he's buying more shares, you know, the long and short of it. And uh, he, on some of the stuff, you know, he's been bashed, you know, over the decades for not investing in technology. And I think this, and we've talked about this many times before on the show, that his initial investment in Apple, I think, was catalyzed not by thinking it's a technology company where in four or five years, your technology can go from zero to king of the world to, uh, you know, to zero again. Um, but it was based on the fact that you know, Apple's becoming a very um, dependable, you know, uh, consumer brand. You know, the story we opened up with tonight and spent a long time talking about, of you know, all the, in that article's case, 101 ways that uh, smartphones have uh replaced you know other technologies and other devices um i think that's a part of it and uh i think that uh you know buffett uh, likes to invest in things that have loyal customer bases that have a defensible moat you know filled with alligators preferably uh meaning that they have a sustainable competitive advantage that you know can't be nullified by you know some you know, some new uh, company coming out with a great new idea and certainly Apple has all of the hallmarks of that. And again, I was thinking about the, you know, the Kim Kardashian thing is, you know, this is sort of a statement of uh, fashion. You know, it, maybe it was a limited run. Maybe it was done as an initial experiment. Uh, but if it hit, you know, and it was successful, I think we'll see similar, you know, similar things in merchandising other, you know, other Apple products, uh, you know, going forward. So um, I think it's a different way to think about Apple that, for all the high technology they use in the 0.5 and 0.3 soon to be in micron processes that put all these uh, billion gazillion transistors on a die uh, for a lot of people, it, they don't care about that. You know, they make, uh, you know, you know, great devices. I mean, I think the story last week, which I, I think it occurred after the, you know, MVL uh, session was that, um, Regulation for uh, you know non non regulated non heavily regulated you know hearing assistance devices you know came out so instead of having to pay you know five or six thousand dollars for a set of you know hearing aids you know someone could get an iPhone for five hundred to twelve hundred dollars and they could get a set of earbuds you know for you know a couple hundred dollars and for that they have a much better phone you know that gives them all that other great utility. Plus, they have another much better, you know, hearing device, you know. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, technology marches on. And, you know, when viewed maybe from the investment perspective of a Warren Buffett, I think he's aligned with uh, what Tim Cook says is at Apple, you know, we think about not what new technology we can bring to the marketplace. 
you know, we think about, you know, do products have a life to live? And they do only if they make people's lives better. So I think that was the uh, sort of the underlying point of uh, that other you know, Barron's article. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's an interesting perspective. Um, you know, and I mean, I think tech, in some cases, tech is not because is evolving from tech to just becoming part of the light part of the world um warren you just texted or said that you got to go so thank you so much for being here um, um yeah um something crawled up my throat and stopped leaving um it was good uh talking to you i'll catch you guys later see you night warren thanks right. so much take care see yep see you um, I want to wrap up with one last one, and Jeff Gamut brought this one, and it's kind of near and dear to our hearts for obvious reasons, um, because it's about podcasts. Jeff, I'll let you uh, take this one. I'm glad you said which one it was, because I'm like, crap, which links have I sent Chuck? <laughs> uh, okay, so um, the, the short version is that uh, YouTube is clearly ready to uh, to try and uh, – and carve out a chunk of the podcast market for itself. They have a, um, um, I don't want to call it a proof of concept page up, but that's kind of what it is. Um, so it's it's a web page that ultimately will be a a live functioning page for the the world to use, where you can go and find the podcasts that you want to uh, to watch or or listen to, and. Uh, and apparently part of what's going on with, with this is that YouTube is looking for uh, different podcasts where they're willing to pay money to the podcasters to make sure that they're hosting content uh, through YouTube. Yeah, I've told this story before and I'll tell it again real quick, but um, at, at a blog, at an early blog world, the they did a presentation about you know, what was the second largest search engine in the world? And, you know, everybody was coming up back then with, with Yahoo and, you know, I don't know what else was there at the time, but nobody said YouTube. And, and the answer was, and, and I think still is, because um, I just saw another Actually, thing. YouTube is the top search engine now. Is it, is it really? Okay, so there you go. Yeah. So if, if you're producing content, why wouldn't you want to be on the top search engine or the top two search engines? So this, in, in some ways, it surprised me it's taken this long, and I would predict that they'll make a much deeper dive into it at some point. No, yeah, of I course mean, they will. Um, to to go like deep into the into the weeds, into the industry weeds with this one, just briefly, maybe. Um, the the problem for content creators is: do you make sure that everything's on YouTube so that people see it? But now YouTube gets all the SEO uh, search engine optimization juice, if you will, for uh, the searches. Or do you do something where you retain total control over that content so that you get uh, get that Google search uh, juice going for yourself? And uh, I mean, and there's ways that you can do it where you can where you can play both sides of the game. But, uh, I mean, realistically, for a lot of people, I mean, it's it's probably worth it for them to, to give up that uh, control over their own search uh, 
ranking and let YouTube have it instead. May I play devil's advocate on this? Please. Yeah, so, I mean, there's uh, a couple of uh, YouTube channels that I've followed for a couple of years. And periodically, you know, they come out and they have to plead with their audience that, uh, you, know, Jap- you know, that that Google made a change to their algorithms and people are not getting it and they're not seeing it. And they're saying, you know, okay, well, go out and listen, you know, you know, hit the bell, ring and subscribe. You know, that's the normal YouTube jingle. You know, hit the bell, ring and subscribe. And, um, you know, also to show Google that you do this, put you, you know, when you're done watching for your night, put your computer, plug it in, you know, and set up my playlist and just, you know, play it one after the other. Just send Google a message that, you know, people really want to see, you know, my content. And I, I, I've seen this that um, Google does jerk around in terms of, you know, what they present, you know, and I have no why, re- understanding why. Uh, you know, they change, you know, what they do. I've got to believe it all boils down to advertising dollars. Um, but uh, Jeff's comment, uh, I think people need to be open-eyed and don't just assume that uh, posting a podcast, you know, or a video version of a podcast on Google is going to be an automatic success because, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to try to find the most popular stuff. And if if you're marginal and you may have you know very loyal you know twenty five or thirty thousand you know listener audience, you know they're going to screw you because they want to get people who have a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or a million uh, subscribers. So um, it's a very 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 difficult uh, terrain. Very difficult. And uh, I mean, I've been publishing audio version of my podcast on youtube for for quite a while now so i mean there are people that are listening to it watching watching slash listening to it so and i'm not the only one that does that and uh then trying to get more video content on there as well but yeah you can't you can't ignore youtube at these these days and i'm glad to see that they're putting something to kind of highlight podcasts and and to kind of distinguish from the rest of the content that's out there Key question: Is this a motivation v Apple or v Spotify on on YouTube Google's part? Um, I I think that's a little bit narrow, um, and I think it's more a reaction to the podcast market in general, where they're seeing that th- this market is uh, is a place that they have not tapped into effectively. And uh, and I think that's what it's really about. So, I mean, sure, on some level, there's a re- there. It's a reaction to what Apple and Spotify have going on, um, but I, I think is it's actually a higher level thing, and it's about trying to uh, to be part of the market. I mean, when you go to YouTube, it's like when you go to Facebook. Facebook wants you to stay. So they do things to keep you on Facebook. When you go to YouTube, YouTube wants you to stay. And they are masters at getting people to stay. So why would they not uh, try and figure out how they can can, uh, wrap their arms around the podcasting space as well? That's just one more place where they they can keep you in the, the YouTube ecosystem. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Covide. 
Collide is a fleet visibility solution for Mac, Windows, and Linux that can help you securely scale your business. The challenge with endpoint security has always been that it's difficult to scale, and when remote work took over, that challenge got exponentially harder. You need visibility into your fleet of devices in order to meet security goals and reduce service desk tickets. But how do you get that visibility when different parts of your company run on Mac, Windows, and Linux? You get Collide. Collide is an endpoint security solution that gives IT teams a single dashboard for all devices, regardless of their operating system. Collide gives you real-time access to your fleet's data and can do things that traditional MDMs can't. And instead of installing intrusive agents or locking down devices, Collide takes a user-focused approach that communicates security recommendations to your employees directly on Slack. You can answer every question you have about your fleet without intruding on your workforce. Visit collide.com slash macvoices to find out how. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash macvoices. Again, collide.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Collide for their support of Mac Voices. Question. I think they're going after Marco Arment. Personally, yes, on a personal <laughs> level. <laughs> I, you know, but I, I kind of see this as almost a natural move because for uh, it doesn't apply to most of us, but there are plenty of people that use YouTube as their music service. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and so why wouldn't you? I mean, that's that's non audio. Excuse me, that's non video content. That's audio content. Here's one more category of audio content that you could be tapping into. And in a lot of cases, all you're going to need to do is populate an RSS feed. You're not even going to have to to host anything on YouTube, and they'll be able to to utilize it. So I have a question on this because you know there are some things that, uh, especially you know for uh, you know uh, classic classical performances, you know they're all they do is they have you know one photo and you know you see that one image you know for the duration of the you know of, of the stream. Others are more enlightened and maybe you know they rotate through a variety of images every three to five seconds. Um, for what uh, this question for Jeff since. He seems to be the most knowledgeable here about what Google or YouTube is doing. Are, are they providing tools, you know, to better cater to audio-only podcasts, or is this uh, an attempt to try to, you know, demand people become video producers of podcasts? The the tools that YouTube provides are clearly focused on video, and uh, and based on the way historically searches have uh, have ranked uh if you do a still image for uh an audio thing you're going to end up getting ranked lower than if that audio had uh, had some sort of video content attached to it so uh yeah realistically i'd say if if you're getting into the podcast game with with youtube unless they they do plan on uh on setting up like a, a whole space that's just for audio podcasts you know like they have for music then you better be ready to get into the video game so did you look into their terms of service to see if they have anything onerous you know that is uh you know sort of deal breakers from you know content creator perspective 
I have not seen any terms of service yet. All, all I've seen is this uh, kind of placeholder page that that has some stuff in there, which it's clearly something they've set up that they can use for testing. And Mark, that's a really interesting point. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the services that, that was out there. I'm still not sure it's not out there that would host your podcast for free, except that you in the terms of service anchor yeah anchor anchor except that basically they owned your content they own it and they you know, yeah they could do whatever so you were you were trading your ownership for their hosting and so you know it'll it will be interesting to see i, I also think though that it's tough you know there, there are no real great tools out there for for listening to or even watching in a stream like Mark was saying, um, you know, content off of YouTube. Well, I, I don't know. If, if people have some terminal skills, there are a variety of programs out there that you can use you know, to give it a YouTube link and it will download it. And you can strip out audio only if you just want to listen to that. You know, they're, they're very, very geeky, but you, know, you can get a you can get the raw video without having to suffer through whatever the frequency of the ad invert is every four or five, six, seven, eight minutes or whatever. So, um, you know, that's maybe a little unfair to some of the content creators, but uh, you know, if, if you're geeky, those sort of tools are out there. Um, well, regardless of the tools, you're, you're tapping into something I wanted to bring up, which is monetization. And I don't know how monetization is going to work with this. So uh, uh, in my mind, I have this horrible scenario playing out where, uh, you know, Mark, let's say you start your new uh, uh, um, classic Batman um, podcast and you now have uh, have but uh, Lego sponsoring you because they make some, some Batman Lego kits. And so you're doing your, your ad read for, uh, for your sponsor. And then a YouTube play stat just boom, right in the middle cuts your ad spot in half. And now you have the, uh, the YouTube ad that ends. And then it finishes up with, uh, with your ad spot. I mean, like I can, I can seriously see stuff like that happening. So I have a question for Chuck here since he posts, you know, to YouTube. Um, It's my understanding and correct me if this is wrong, that as a creator, you get to determine how many ad inserts you want to have on your video. Uh, Is that correct or incorrect? Um, It's sort of correct. Um, I, because of the, because of the length of the program, not just mine, but anybody's, uh, it it de- sort of depends. Um, I'm not sure if you can determine, you know, if if there's a metric in there that if say it's an hour, you can serve one, two, three, four, five ads. Um, I, I haven't found that particular control. I do know though, you do have the option um, for me to try to monetize Mac Voices on YouTube versus YouTube just deciding they're going to monetize for themselves. That you know, I can say, okay, I I don't, I'm not interested in signing up with you guys, and that does seem to hold down. This is completely anecdotal, but it does seem to hold down the ad inserts. But the, yeah, the length of it, I don't know how it works, but it seems clear that, and at least in some cases, creators are able to control where the ads appear. Mm-hmm. Because I've definitely seen things where the ads clearly showed up at 
natural breakpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, a constant video where the ad would only show up in between songs and not in the middle of a song. Oh, boys. Well, maybe some, but I've also seen songs cut right in half, Jim. Right, so, but, I, but, I, but I've seen enough of them that do it, you know, that, you know, maybe some people just aren't bothering to do whatever it is to do, or maybe not everybody has that option. But clearly it must be available in some situations because I've definitely seen it where, oh, you know, that ad is coming up at an opportune moment. Um, yeah. That can't be, and, and, and maybe, you know, like a concert footage where, okay, each song, there's a commercial break, you know. That, that, yeah, can't I, be a, that can't be a coincidence. Yeah, I would I would think that if you delve in, you have enough control over it. But if if not, you know, it may go through yeah, and wait for you know volume to die where it thinks it's at the end of one scene to the other instead of a guest just pausing, you know, to think before saying something. Uh the other thing I've noticed, you know, recently, recently meaning past, I don't know, maybe three to three to four, three to six months is on YouTube, the uh, dramatically increased number of uh, sort of banner ads appearing at the bottom of the screen. You know, have anyone else noticed or observed that or is maybe that's just sensitive to me? No, definitely. Definitely. And I don't know if, again, if that's YouTube or if that's the, the creator or both. Oh, I would imagine that's purely YouTube because it's. I think that's just a browser thing. You know, they just popped a little little window up at the bottom. You know, so oh, I'm, I'm sure that's got to be good. Good, good old, good old alphabet is pressuring uh, you know, their subs to increase their revenue and profits. The, the, the content yeah. creator can add that too. Um, and I mean, I'm a I'm a YouTube Premium subscriber, so I don't see a lot of the ads as it is anyway. So that's why it's different experience for me, but. Uh, but I've seen the pop-ups even, even so even being a subscriber to that, you know, where the, where the, the content you've creator st- can add something to come up to, you know, to advertise something. You've still yeah. seen that as a premium. I just signed up for premium last week. I haven't seen any ads since I did that. No, no I don't see any ads. I'm, ta- I'm talking about like if, if the content creator actually added like a popover of some sort. Well, so it's in their video. It's in their video, right? Yeah. Jim, so it's yeah. not really a pop-up. It's, so I think like, Sundar like Pichai's motto. I think Sundar Pichai's motto is the ads will continue until you pay us to stop. And yeah, well, I did pay them to stop. Yes. <laughs> Jim, I, I have an answer for you on uh, on those videos where the the timing just works out for YouTube's ads, and it's that the uh, content creator made their content to account for when the ads appear. So when you have a 10-minute video, uh, that's when you know that you're going to start having a mid-roll ad from, from YouTube. So you so you edit your content so that uh so that at five minutes there's a break. And um, there there are yep. other set breakpoints. So you as the uh as the content creator you just edit your video for the known breakpoints, uh, depending on how long your video is going to be. Jeff, you're not going to convince me that a Peter Gabriel concert recorded in 1992 was timed for YouTube advertisements. Uh, that's a totally different thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Hey guys, yeah. we're we are way over time. I had I've I haven't even looked at the clock because this has been so great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so we're going to get out of here uh, and give the rest the folks back the rest of their evenings, the live folks. Um, but to go around the room and uh, let folks know where they can contact you and discuss, debate any of these issues. Um, and I'm going to flip it around this time and for, start with Mark. Mark, thank you for uh, being the Riddler tonight. Uh, where can folks catch up with you? Easy place is Twitter at Mark Fuccio, M-A-R-K-F-U-C-C-I-O, all lowercase, one word. Great. Thanks for being here, Mark. Jeff Gamut, thank you for uh, for showing up and, sh- and sharing all your podcast knowledge, uh, among other things. Where can folks find you? <laughs> um, the among other things, that's the the part that could be problematic. Anyhow, you can find me on on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. I'm Jay Gamut on all of those, and um, uh, here on Tuesdays with you on Thursdays on in touch with iOS with Dave, uh, the big show and the Mac show. So that's Thursdays and Fridays. And then the context machine with Brian Chaffin. So just Google me. I'm easy to find. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Jim Ray, thank you for sharing all your your developer knowledge. Um, Where can folks find you? I kept some of the, my developer knowledge for myself. (laughs) Um, you can find me at ProView.com, P-R-O-V-U-E, and also on Twitter at ProView Jim. Excellent. Excellent. David Ginsburg, thank you for uh, for being here and, and gr- jumping in when the hotel decided to shut my, my Wi-Fi down. Uh, where can folks find you? Not a problem. Well planned there. Uh, you can find me at InTouchWithIOS at InTouchWithIOS.com. Uh, and you also can find me on our, my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash in touch with iOS. Uh, I'm on the Mac show on Fridays on the British Tech Network and here on Tuesdays and uh, Twitter, Dave G65. Thanks, Chuck. Great. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. I will try to be back in my studio next week so you're not having to look at this horrifying wallpaper behind me. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's where you'll find us right here at youtube.com slash Mac Voices TV. And of course, the shows hit the feeds a little bit later too, um, cut down so that you can consume them in, in bite-sized uh, pieces uh, so you don't miss out on the wisdom of all these guys because there's so much, so many different kinds of wisdom. And women. And women, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm, I'm looking at this crew. But yes, uh, we definitely would include Brittany in that as well, especially for tonight. Um, that's it. I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.